banning something without an alternative is not going to help. And we need to remember that the only reason we just want to ban it is not because we understand how to protect our wildlife population, it's because we have an ethical issue with what we're doing in our society. And as much as I agree with this ethical standpoint entirely, I have to say that banning it and being simply against it is not going to help our animal population. So we need to make a clear separation and say just banning trophy hunting is not conservation at all. Hi, Val here, and this is my podcast, The Kalahari Diaries. I live in one of Africa's most remote wilderness areas. Nature and wildlife is my biggest passion. I hand-dressed Serga the lioness and walked the Kalahari to join her on her hunts. My work is on tourism and nature conservation. For fun, but also for wildlife monitoring, I fly anything that gets me into the air. I live in an old caravan. The next supermarket is a two and a half hour drive away on sandy and bumpy roads. There is no cell reception anywhere nearby, and the only comms is an extremely slow, extremely expensive satellite internet connection. I am Valentin Grüner. And this is my podcast, The Kalahari Diaries. All right. Hello again and welcome to episode number 10 of The Kalahari Diaries. This time is going to be a little bit of a more personal view on a rather delicate subject. And the subject is hunting. I think in the last episode of the podcast, I kind of made it clear that management of animal population in most areas today is simply something that's necessary and that we have to look after. So no matter how much we would maybe not want that to be true, it's just something that has to be done. And there are a few options of how to do that. And I just want to recap real quickly that whole scenario. So basically, Wildlife is disappearing all over the place. Let's take our wildebeest and zebra, for example. They used to migrate thousands of kilometers and developments today have simply cut off their migration routes. Now, that means they don't have access to fresh water anymore, although there's plenty of food around in areas like the Kalahari, for example. But naturally, wildebeest would have never spent the entire season here because throughout the whole year, over long periods, it gets too dry, there's no surface water and wildebeest and zebras would have to move out of these areas. So they would move to areas where they can find water. That gives the Kalahari time to recover. For the animals it's quite a tough journey, but that's how they manage to survive in behind numbers. Today they can't get to the water anymore, which means only very few and very tough ones are the ones surviving that are left behind. Now we can put artificial water there, but at the same time, they don't have this hard journey anymore and they can remain in this area all the time, which means they breed more, they breed better, they don't have to walk thousands of kilometers. And all of a sudden we end up with too many in this one area. And what they do then is that they start destroying the vegetation. They're eating everything that they prefer, which is the good grasses and the good leaves of the trees and all these things. And the vegetation will become degraded. And the only species of vegetation that will then start to take over are the ones that nobody wants to eat and that are fairly low in value, but that's probably why they're not being touched by the animals. And many species that otherwise would always live here and are very dependent on these good grasses, for example, will then start disappearing. And in the long run, the vegetation will simply lose its capacity. There will be less and less and less and only bad species that will remain. And nobody could then really live here anymore until the whole thing might actually become a complete desert, like just a sand pit without any vegetation. So 
That's where doing something good will then simply require a certain amount of management. And the options for this management basically are one that's called culling. Culling means the whole purpose of reducing that population is just that. So people would actually sometimes go into an area and cull and maybe just leave the meat to rot or for the hyenas and vultures to eat. Although that's rare, obviously as much as that can be used will always be used. But culling just means it's for the purpose of bringing down in the numbers. There's no pu other purpose for the meat or to move these animals alive. It simply means we have too many and those animals need to be culled. Obviously, that's a very terrible option. Nobody wants to do that. And it basically means bad management for a very long time if culling as such becomes necessary. The other option is trophy hunting. And that is the much preferred option in Africa on private wildlife areas, at least, where people say, okay, this year we have so many of our wildebeest, so many of our zebra, and so many of all the other species that will have to be taken out. And instead of having to go and do everything by yourself, they're actually bringing a sport hunter in who enjoys killing animals and going hunting. And those people will pay money to participate in the hunt, and all they want to take home is the skin and the head, usually the trophy to take home to hang on your wall. Um, the meat will still be left behind, which then can be used to obviously feed your workers and excess meat can be sold to the butcheries. So it's kind of an overall win situation there for everybody, although ethically the whole thing is fairly questionable. And then there's simply just to say meat hunting or management by the people who actually work in this area, for example. That means somebody like me, and this is the method that I prefer and that I do practice here, is that I go hunt by myself. Our workers are obviously assisting me. We have to load the carcass and everything. So I know the animals that have to be taken out. I hunt as ethical as in any way possible. The idea for later on will actually be just to do it from hideouts where the animals don't even know the, what's going on. And I hunt very selectively, so I will try to take out the older animals, once with broken horns, maybe one with funny hoofs, things like that, to try and actually just manage the population as best as possible and take out the animals that really should be going. Because one problem with the trophy hunting, especially when it's not being you know, carried out extremely well and checked upon by somebody, is that people tend to shoot the most beautiful and the biggest animal. And that is really something that, that just harms the population and the gene pool of that population in the long run. And that's something that is currently happening in many areas in Africa. So meat hunting simply done by the person who is actually the caretaker of this area, the ranger or whatever you want to call them, that would be my preferred option. The only problem with that is financially speaking, it, there's a lot less income because there is nobody paying for the actual hunt and so on. So it can be something that might be harder to practice. You're losing potential income. But that is basically the three methods. is the simply culling just to bring the population down, kill the animals, don't even worry about what's going on with the rest really because the only reason is to save that area from being completely overgrazed. And then trophy hunting where a foreign hunter will come and pay money to basically do something that will be done anyhow, or simply the meat hunting by the managers or the rangers who are the ones looking after the area anyways. Now, trophy hunting, if carried out correctly, can obviously be the most financially rewarding way to practice this whole story. And there is a big argument for many places to say that that is 
exactly why they have to continue doing it and why these hunters play a vital role in nature conservation because currently they are certainly responsible for vast areas in Africa that only contain wildlife because of these activities and the alternative of having to actually hire somebody and pay them to do the hunting simply doesn't bring enough money because often the meat is basically just used for the staff, for the villages to feed the people. The hunters come in and pay most of the money that is generated actually comes from that tourism aspect. So it's it's a bit of a gray area there, the whole thing, because they definitely have a big point. Now, I am not a supporter of trophy hunting at all, and I could never be part of it simply for my own ethical reasons. And that's something that I'd like to discuss in this podcast a little bit further. So let's have a look at the ethics behind this whole story. I guess the main question is, is it really okay to travel across the globe, spend a lot of money to go into a beautiful ecosystem that you're just a visitor in, and spend that money to go and kill something in this ecosystem? Are we okay with that? even if it has to be done anyways, and even if we can understand that the killing will have to be carried out because we have interfered so much in nature overall that we need to look after it. And often that means we have to manage. There's nothing we can do about it. So that's just a given. But is it all right for somebody to say, okay, that happens anyways. So although I'm not the one looking after these things, I just want to go on a holiday and spend my money going on a hunt. Um. Personally, if I want to make some examples in other areas of our life about this to to just bring across how I feel about it a little bit is to say, for example, let's take a, a veterinarian who looks after our pets somewhere at home. Anybody who has a pet at home, I'm sure you have a vet that you know well and hopefully that you trust and you're probably upset about the bill that they write sometimes, but we'll still bring our animal there and... I'm also pretty sure that in every vet's practice, at least once a month or maybe even much more often, an animal will have to be put down because it's simply so sick or so weak of old age that there is no other option and life is just too much suffering for these animals. Now, we generally trust the vet. We will actually pay a lot of money for the vet to, to do this, to carry out this this necessary killing of our beloved pet. And... I think ethically we are all okay with that, although it's a very sad thing for us personally, but it's something that has to happen and we know it will happen anyways. And it's the best thing to do for, for our pet in this case because we can't help it and we can't speak to it and try to calm it down. It's just in pain and this is not something that needs to be done. But would we be okay if the vet says, oh, hang on, there's a lot of people in this world who would probably pay me a lot of money just to do this injection, although they have nothing to do with my practice. And... I am absolutely certain that nobody would agree that this is a nice thing to do, that we should just say, hey, you know, let's let's bring some random guy who can click around on the internet and just book his injection. And he's like, oh, this dog came up, you know, I want to put this down and he's going to pay a few thousand dollars. And even if we were able to to earn that money or share it with the vet and say, fantastic, there's somebody paid a lot because it was a big schnauzer that got to be put down. Um, that's something obviously completely unethical and that we would highly disagree with. And I feel the same way about my area and my wild animals. And I look after them. I care so much for them. I spent my whole life learning on how to do that. And I work very hard in doing it. And I hate the hunting the same way that, you know, one would hope that everyone who studies to become a vet does it out of a 
deep love for animals and spends their life working with this. So putting an animal down is a necessary evil and not something enjoyable at all. And I feel the same way about my hunting. I hate doing the hunting. It is the least favorite of, oh, no, no favorite at all. It is the most hated activity that is part of my job, but unfortunately a necessary one. But somehow in my ethical mind, that enables me to be the one to carry this out. And I do plan with our workers who have been here for a long time to start educating them on how to hunt properly. And they love our animals. They love this wildlife and they do so much work in this area. And the last thing they want is to kill something. But we simply know what we have to do. And I believe we are the right people to do it. Now, what I enjoy having somebody come here to you know, want to sit here, look at this beautiful area, drink their beer in the evening, you know, sit at a beautiful barbecue while the wild animals are running around. And the next morning, that person wants to pay me to go out, go out and simply do that ugly part of my work. No, to me, that's not okay, which is why I would never support that kind of hunting in my own area. The problem is I can't really go into other areas which are massive and simply tell them you have to stop this. I just need to sit here and do my own thing and practice my own ethical life as, as good as possible. So I guess it's obvious from this standpoint that the argument for trophy hunting is that the management is necessary anyways and that the extra money that is generated through the tourism side of this hunt, the sport hunting, that will generate more funds to purchase more areas to expand this area for wildlife and it often is used like that and many of these areas currently are around because of the hunting and we simply have to accept that at this stage. So that argument is simply not false and that's why there's no point arguing completely against it. It's more important to focus on, on other things and there's another aspect to the trophy hunting and that is usually the one that is the most widely portrayed one in the media especially today and I think most of us are probably familiar with the images of a hunter posing with a dead lion or a dead elephant or a dead rhino that they have shot and we probably all know that there is an entire industry breeding predators actually well you know to respect them first I have treated the subject in the podcast previously so this whole breeding industry of predators like lions and leopards, even tigers and stuff, even in Africa, they're being bred. And they're being shot for a lot of money later on. Now, I have to say that from a conservation perspective, I manage our area here and we manage the herbivores in order to save the habitat and keep the vegetation at its best state possible because that's the ultimum that we want to achieve because only then can we actually carry the maximum amount of wildlife that can sustainably live here. So, of course, I manage those populations. And it actually leaves us with plenty of animals that have to be taken out, which we can utilize for our own consumption and that we can use for a little bit of profit to sell to butcheries in the nearby villages. Now, we would never, ever kill a predator in this farm. We are here to simply protect a piece of beautiful Kalahari habitat and killing predators is simply not part of this. Predators generally do not become too much in population. They are territorial animals, they will defend their territory. A leopard, for example, is 
a solitary animal and will defend its territory. And of course, depending on prey density, the territory size may vary slightly. But nevertheless, in our area here, there might be four or five leopards that sort of utilize part of our areas, but they're not going to become more and they're simply part of managing our animals. Predators actually have an impact on the vegetation simply by being something that scares animals away from places where they would naturally concentrate on. So say our water points or an area with amazing grass. Obviously, a lot of antelope will try and go there, but that means the leopard will try and be there, especially at the water points or the lion will try to focus their hunting, which means the animal will come, drink and walk away far because they know what could happen if they stay at this water point. And that prevents them from destroying the vegetation in the nearby areas to these special spots. So the predators have actually an impact on our vegetation like that. And they have an impact on the health of our anim animal populations directly, simply because they are taking out the sick ones. A predator would never go and kill the most beautiful bull that they can find. They will take the one that's limping, that's got a half broken leg or that's gotten too skinny and old and because their teeth are gone or something like that. So they're helping us and taking out defects and genetics or injured animals and things like that. So it's nothing that really bothers us too much. There are species like lion or especially spotted hyena, for example, and the African wild dog, which if they're given the right area and water, they might end up being very many animals because they live in packs and they might actually end up taking a lot of the herbivores out of this area. Now, if an area or the people running this area are dependent on the income through meat from these herbivores, it is understandable that they might not be very happy with the predator being around especially if it's spotted hyenas or wild dogs or lions who end up breeding and breeding and making their their prides or packs bigger and bigger. So that's something that we can probably understand but even then there are ways to sort these problems out. For example, we can control the breeding by giving hormone implants. It's things that can be done easily from a height. There's actually a vaccine type thing that also works, which is used in, in pig farming, for example, but it could be used for these predator populations to keep them around, but simply keep them a bit, a bit low. So put them on the pill a little bit and say, look, we don't mind you. you know, so that would be a more ethical way to, to share whatever has to be taken out of the area without having to kill the animal and another major aspect that many people forget when they're trying to argue this, and I mean when they're trying to argue pro-predator hunting, is this whole idea, yeah, we have to take them out, they're going to be shot anyways, and so on and so on. So now shooting these predators anyways, it does happen. There's no doubt about that. But it is something that is not really considered legal. It is something that as a problem animal sometimes has to be done because it's killing or it's a threat to humans and stuff like that. But it's nothing that we consider okay and nothing that is legal here in Botswana at least. And that whole thing to me is just completely wrong. And in a way, you know, rape is a very common problem in many African countries as well. We would never go ahead and say just because rape to young girls is happening here, we should just you know, earn money out of it and turn it into a business at the same time. Excuse the sort of rough example. But to me, killing our predators is just as disgusting ethically. And yes, it happens, but that's a problem and we need to address that. And we shouldn't say, oh, the problem happens anyway, so let's let's go ahead and earn money with it. So predator hunting is absolutely not okay. And it's sort of the the tip of the whole disgusting iceberg of the hunting. And all that being said, this trophy hunting industry, the vast majority of it is not predator hunting. There are many hunters who really come here to simply 
you know, handsome game that will have to be taken out anyways, enjoy a bit of meat. And although I disagree with the whole principle, that's something that can be sort of justified. The problem is that what gets out there as an image to the public is always these big horror stories. And sadly, there are enough people out there who still go to hunt elephants, to hunt lions, to hunt leopards, and to hunt rhinos and things like that. I think actually the hunting industry itself should distance themselves quite drastically from that type of hunting to make a standpoint and say those are not people that we would like to be associated with. But sadly, it hasn't gotten there yet. But to me, that would be the only point of how the hunters themselves could actually convince more of the general public to say, hey, what we're doing is not so bad. But sadly, they continue to prove a point by posing with a deadline and by posting disgusting videos of the hunt on YouTube and, and stuff like that. One more thing that's very important to remember is that predators live in territories. So if we go into an area and we say, for example, oh, this lion will have to be shot anyhow, it is something that might be happening and it's a sad thing that it is happening. But actually by taking out that lion, what we're creating is a completely empty territory. Nobody's told the other lions in that area that a lion can now not come here anymore. And the simple truth with that is that if there is no lions marking their territory, if there is no, you know, whether it be a lion, leopard, cheetah, whatever it is, actually occupying this area, it's like you're creating a completely open home in an area where animals are desperately looking for a place to live in. So say you take a city with a lot of homeless people somewhere and you simply say, here's a big villa. It's got food in it. It's got a full fridge of beer. Everything is here. You can live here for the next 10 years, fully provided. Everything is free. You know, the place would be overrun with people in no time. Even the ones that have a small house next door would come and want to be there. And the moment we take away this predator occupying its space, we are creating an advertisement for everybody else that they want to move in there. So taking out this animal, if you are in an area where they naturally occur, is not a solution because the only thing that will happen is that another one will very quickly occupy the same space and you're going to sit there with the same problem. So maybe controlling their population so that they don't become too many could be a solution to those issues, especially in these boundary areas between national parks and farming areas that we say the lions in this area, let's deal with them, let's, you know, rather know the devil you deal with than to, you know, have an unknown thing come across all the time and just deal with it but keep their population to a minimum so that they are defending their territory, that we're actually creating a boundary for other lines not to come in because they heavily defend their own space. And if you ever end up in an argument with a, a trophy hunter who wants to defend the fact why they need to come to Africa to help the poor people kill lions in their farming areas, that is one point where there is no way that it is a good idea to take these animals out because if it is the ecosystem that we love where lions do exist and we're creating this empty space another one will inevitably show up there and all we do is continue killing and killing and killing and we might end up having a rather large impact on the population inside the park because the sort of survival of the fittest natural thing that should be happening for the lion population to stay healthy might actually be quite disrupted because all the breed out will simply disappear and not have to fight over anything all the young animals that'll have to go and find a new home will disappear. The population in the park must feel, man, we're doing so well. The lions are all going somewhere and they breed more and more. And we might actually increase the problem 
drastically rather than having one line there that'll defend its spot for a long time. So we're not solving the problem by killing that animal and taking it away from that area unless we then make the area secure so that another lion will not be able or leopard or whatever to settle in there. So yeah, the whole predator hunting, ethically speaking, I cannot in any way find justifiable means to earn that money. The amounts that are being paid are so ridiculous that it already shows this This just shouldn't be correct, like a correct thing to do at all. And yeah, I really don't know what else to say about it. It's just a very sad thing that it is happening and all we can hope is that that stops at some stage. So I guess my opinion should be clear by now that if I draw a bottom line under this whole hunting story, although I acknowledge that many areas currently are there because of trophy hunting and sport hunting and that I would never be the one to say, let's just ban all this because I wouldn't have an alternative to offer to all of these areas at this stage at all. But our goal should be, let's put it that way, to say that the only people that should be the ones to carry out this ugly task of killing animals should be the ones who work directly in this ecosystem where this killing has to be carried out and whose job is to protect this ecosystem. Much like the same story with the vet who should be the only one to put down a, someone's pet and not somebody who would just enjoy giving this injection. There is another ethical level about utilization of wildlife as a product, which I would just like to quickly talk about. This doesn't have as much to do with hunting directly, but if we compare livestock farming to uh, utilizing wildlife, I think we, one must always remember wild animals cannot be farmed. That is definitely the reason why we don't farm them like cattle. We have bred cows over many, many years to make them a pet for us that stays with us and that we can farm in these ways. And unfortunately, most ways of farming, even in Botswana where these cows are basically what one would consider roaming free, but they're still being brought in on a regular basis in order to get dehorned. The cattle are being, after the horns are cut out with a thing that cuts quite deep so that they don't grow back. And the reason for that is mainly that once they get loaded on a truck later to be brought to the butcheries, that the cattle cannot hurt each other with their horns. And the horns basically get cut out very deep so they stop regrowth and it's bleeding and stuff like that. It's not nice. And then some oily stuff gets chucked on top and it actually gets burned out with the burning iron to, to stop all the all the bleeding and stuff, which really just isn't a nice thing. Those animals get branded. We chuck a thing down their stomach, which is like a chip that we can monitor them and know where they come from. And they get all kinds of drugs on a regular basis simply to keep them healthy and keep them alive and so on. So that is happening even for our free-ranging cattle in Botswana. And at the end of their life, they're going to get chucked on a truck and they basically have to queue somewhere at a butchery while they can hear what's going on with the other cows. And for some odd reason, even then, they're just standing there and pretty much just trust us. And that, to me, is something that I yeah, have a hard time accepting, whereas our wild animals, and even for the end consumer who might not at all be in these ecosystems, but if one is eating meat and you know maybe simply eat less meat, but when one has to eat meat or wants to eat meat that you spend a little bit of the extra money buy a little bit of nice game meat or deer or, you know something from a natural ecosystem an animal that actually belongs there because automatically you should know that that animal has had a life wild outside in its ecosystem and wasn't mistreated because it simply wouldn't work with these animals so that to me is an aspect that stands for the consumption of our 
wild herbivores much more than our domesticated ones. And on top of that, obviously today we have about 3 million cattle in Botswana plus another 3 million between the goats, sheep and donkeys and so on. And that's 6 million relatively large animals utilizing vegetation here in the Kalahari. And we only have you know, a few tens of thousands of our wild herbivores left, whereas about 60, 70 years ago, we had millions of those wild herbivores left. So we have simply replaced something. And I would much rather see those wild herds of animals roam through the Kalahari, even though we know that we might be harvesting them as a product as well. But if we would be doing that, we would be keeping them alive because that's the same we're doing with the cattle. It's not like we're diminishing their population because we're eating them. And I think that's another just ethical aspect to to say, you know, we are so many people and we have so many requirements. We have so many pets that also require food and stuff like that. So we are utilizing a lot of this world. But the question is, how are we going to utilize it? And rather than having this sort of livestock farming in a desert ecosystem, I would rather see that we have wildlife roaming everywhere and that we would be utilizing that instead. And I think the main issue with this and why it's not being done is because the wildlife, if it would really roam and if we would have started using it back then, it would not be a very monopolized business because it's these huge herds that basically belong to the country. The beef industry that has developed means, okay, somebody who manages to get enough land and the right contract to sell the meat can farm those cattle there and can earn a lot of money with it. And in a way, I think that is really what's going on most of the time that wildlife as a product, if the whole country would be utilizing it, it's more something that everybody would have to share in certain ways. And uh, I think that's where a, a big issue actually comes in. And there's just a massive lobby behind it already behind our normal livestock industry. And they will most likely not be very excited about you know, having to share a product because it can't just be not monopolized for a few individuals the same way we can do it with a product like beef. My last point with this, and this comes back to the actual killing of an animal, is that if I look at a you know, a goat or a sheep or a cow or even a pig, any of these animals that we have bred to be so close to us, it kind of breaks my heart to think that if we're farming these animals, that we then have to actually kill them. I think it's a very, very terrible thing that a farmer has to go through. And I don't believe I could be doing it because we have these animals that completely trust us. They're tame. They will come and eat from your hand. They come home every night to the kraal or to the you know enclosure, all these kind of things. It is simply just yeah, animals that are so trusting into us. We can load them into trucks, even though they're not really used to it. They will, they will do anything we do with them. And they're looking at us like they're trusting us entirely. And I think we bred them to be like that. So personally, I would have no problem ethically and correctly utilizing cows for some milk. You know, if we had a few cattle here, I would never want to kill them. It would be like my pet, but I wouldn't mind to say, hey, if we can share some of the milk, I'm giving you nice food. I'm keeping you healthy. You can still raise your calf. But you know, that's a beautiful product and I love milk and I would have no issue and the cow can have a happy life the same way I would happily have a few chickens. And chickens is actually sort of on the agenda for us as well, for eggs, but not some chickens that are sick because they've been overbred just to lay eggs. The normal chickens that lay eggs have a happy life, but I don't think I could be eating my own chickens. It's just uh, this emotional connection that I make with any animal that I'm that close to. And although I, I love my wild animals, the ones that I see walking around, in some way, they never trust me in that way. They're always very skittish. They will never let me 
you know, touched them. Obviously, some of them that we've hand-raised and reared from a small one, those are very close to us, and that's something special, and I could never, ever kill that animal for meat either. But the ones that are running around outside here, you know, they're constantly knowing about the fact that, yes, there might be lions eating them, there's leopards eating them, they're always on alert. They, they know, actually, that this death is part of their existence, and they're very aware of it. And it makes me a lot more okay with having to go and hunt them because it feels like something that's naturally part of their life. Whereas for a cow that just looks at you with these beautiful big eyes and completely trusts you, there's nothing natural in her life instincts telling her anymore that this is part of it. And it's this pure trust that these animals have into us, which makes it so difficult for me to, to be able to agree with this. And this is why, again, I believe wildlife not only on the actual side of how the animal is treated and how it spends its lifetime. But even the killing of it, to me, is something that, in my own mind, I can ethically much more agree with than the domesticated animals that are being killed. All right, so let's get back into our whole ethical sort of dilemma with the trophy hunting and people enjoying to spend their money to kill a lion and all these kind of things. I think it's clear that on an ethical level, we have countless good arguments against that kind of activities. And I think the only conclusion we can draw is there is something profoundly wrong in our society because it even happens, because we have people posing and actually thinking it's a great idea to pose with this dead animal that you just shot, if it's a lion or even if it's just an antelope or whatever. It's just so wrong. I've had to kill plenty of animals in my life, but I would never even have the idea of saying, oh, I need to take a picture of this and hang it in my wall. It, it's just a terrible part of my life and I actually want to push it away from me as much as possible. So I think there's something wrong in our society for the fact that we even have the need to do this. And that's something that I can't change at the moment. I'm doing my best to change it with the people around me and I guess whoever I can reach maybe with this podcast. But I don't think it's going to completely disappear and we can all agree that this is simply something that exists. The thing is that luckily I don't work in a society or my job is not to change society. My job is nature conservation and to protect these animals. And if I think simply from their perspective, we're getting into a little different issue right now, which makes this whole thing a little bit harder to digest, I believe. So what's important is that all these ethical arguments are entirely valid. They are something that we should all agree upon and then we wouldn't even have the problem. But... We simply need to understand that there's no way our animals could possibly have the same ethical issue even if they would think and feel the same way we do because the animals definitely don't know that money has been exchanged on some bank account before somebody came to shoot them. And whether the person shooting the animal now was a hunter who's enjoying it or a guy who really hates doing it and feels terrible about it, I really don't think that there's a big difference for the animal at all. So the ethical issue we have there is simply within our society and it's good that it's there and it has to be addressed. But one must be extremely careful to not just say, oh, we have to ban this activity entirely. We need to get rid of it completely because it's not okay. We, we wouldn't want this in our society because let's think about all these massive wildlife areas that exist. Some are community owned, some are privately owned, but we're talking areas in Africa that are the size of countries in Europe that exist because of these activities right now. And whatever community earns their income from this disgusting activity or whatever private owner 
earns his income and employs hundreds of people from this disgusting activity is utilizing this land. And if we take this away, entire communities or hundreds of people employed by a single person would all of a sudden be out of money, out of resources and they all have a life to support all of them have a family at home all, all of them have a little house somewhere that you know things bills that need to be paid so we can't just go and say let's take it away let's just simply make it illegal and we believe the problem would be gone maybe for us the problem we have in our society that these things are being done yes that that would be gone for us no no doubt about that and we could feel better about our own society and say okay this is a good thing people finally banned this i can now sleep better the problem is for me sitting here in africa all i would do is worry so much about the wildlife areas because guess what those people have the right to turn this into different things it could just be turned into a cattle ranch it could be turned into an area for mining they could turn it into an area for residential development all kinds of things to to in another way then earn money so Banning something without an alternative is not going to help. And we need to remember that the only reason we just want to ban it is not because we understand how to protect our wildlife population, it's because we have an ethical issue with what we're doing in our society. And as much as I agree with this ethical standpoint entirely, I have to say that banning it and being simply against it is not going to help our animal population. So we need to make a clear separation and say just banning trophy hunting is not conservation at all. It's actually the opposite of that because it does nothing good to our animals. And it's often confused, I believe. So it's important that people understand this little issue there. And it does make the whole thing, as I just said, a little hard to digest. So we draw a bottom line here. I think to help wildlife, we need to make our decisions purely based on what's good for our wildlife, even if our emotion might not entirely agree with that. And... That can be a tough thing to do. There is one argument, and that is something that's very important to me, against the trophy hunting and against this practice and in relation to protecting our wildlife. And this is more on a, on a sort of bigger scale. And what I find here in Africa is that often, especially if the hunting is being carried out in these very remote areas, the communities that live there and they, without a doubt, in a, in a way, benefit from the hunting because they have jobs, they have employment, they have meat, and they might have a, a good life out of this. But at the same time, today, the world's very connected. And even people in Africa and the most rural of the communities have access to internet, have access to cell phones or smartphones. They have access to Facebook. They are not completely unaware of the rest of the world. So they're looking at this rest of the world, and obviously, they have a deep wish to develop more into comfortable life and a more westernized society where you know things are available and you know all the beautiful things going on holidays having fancy cars a beautiful house a big pool i mean all that stuff and now the people who come to carry out these hunts are likely the only people that these communities will meet out of this world that they admire so much and i honestly have to say what kind of message are we sending to these communities to, to say that this world that they admire and that what they want to thrive in and live their life towards to, how are we sending a message across to these people that, to say this are the people that, you know, built the society? It's the people who 
just come to Africa and with lots of money and fancy things and they enjoy their life and they're having a bunch of drinks and sitting on a car and then they go shoot animals and they take these crazy pictures with them. And I mean, that, that's an image that we are putting into these communities' minds and not just of a few people, for them, the entire society that they want to strive towards is in their mind like that. So something that I experience here quite a lot, people that, that when they talk to me, it's all about, oh, hey, we can go, you know, shoot a lion, well, let's do this. And it's very actually difficult to explain to the people here to say, I do not want to do that at all because they look at you and say, how is that possible? This, you know, you, you look like you're a white guy from Germany. Of course, you, you must love hunting. Why else are you here? So the people here have no idea about this and it is widely agreed upon and it makes only sense that it is the actual communities in Africa who have to end up conserving their wildlife and protecting it. And I honestly do not believe, although trophy hunting may you know, have their benefits at the moment in many areas and actually help a lot of wild animals to be alive and to have habitat to live in, but the bottom line is it at the end of the day, this will boil, boil down to that the African people and the communities that are here need to protect their own animals and they need to start to love them and they need to start to want them here. And I really don't think that in a world where they are already being pushed into a background of farming because of our influence in these areas in Africa, they all farm goats, cattle, livestock. And obviously any predator, for example, is an absolute pest to have nearby. But even something like a herd of wildebeest or zebras coming into the area is actually something not so nice to have nearby. They might be able to get some sort of free meat out of it because it's walking around there. But the problem is at the end of the day that the zebra herd or the wildebeest are eating the same food than the livestock. And food is scarce in these desert ecosystems. So you wouldn't want that because you know, damn it, my cattle are actually going to die at the end of the day if these wildebeest stick around. So you don't want any of this. And at the same time, you have these people come from our society where we don't have herds of zebras or wildebeest or giraffes or rhinos or elephants walking around free. And those people are just here to enjoy shooting it. And now our African communities, how can we expect them to understand that there is a reason to protect these animals? How can we expect them to understand that this is something so valuable and not just something that we should treat like dirt and basically having a party while we're going to kill these animals and leaving a lot of money there and enjoying the meat. There is no message to protect this or to keep it around. And the communities are not the ones earning themselves rich on this, which again means somebody on the other hand does who runs the actual hunt and brings the tourists over there. But the community is get, just getting normal jobs and it's little money. But at the end of the day, this message of this disgustingness of wanting to hunt, of posing with dead animals, it cannot be something that will ever in any way be good for a community that is otherwise so pure and untouched in many ways from our society, from this developed world. And that is my biggest argument where I really need to say the overall goal has to be to stop trophy hunting entirely. The goal has to be that we say we understand population control has to be carried out. We understand that in the world we live in today, in certain areas, it would make a lot more sense to utilize our wild animals as a product rather than farming millions of animals who do not belong into this ecosystem. And all of these things are facts that we have to live with. But I don't think we have to live with the fact to say that we should have 
in anywhere in our world a society of people who enjoy posing with dead animals. And I definitely don't think that we say to, to go into African communities and basically portray this picture that that would be a good idea so the goal must be to say hunting that has to be carried out should only be carried out by people that work in this area and that are qualified to do with this the same way a vet is the only one who carries out the killing of pets if it needs to be done at the end of this whole thing, and I think what's important to me is that I really don't think that we can make any change if we are constantly against something. And unfortunately, all I'm seeing and what's, again, being portrayed in the media is people simply saying, come, let's just be against something. Let's sign this petition. We're against hunting. Ban trophy hunting. Ban the practice of, of breeding lions in Africa and so on. And although I ethically entirely agree with all of this, and I hope I made this clear with this podcast, it's not the right way to go about anything to simply say, let's ban this. And again, usually this is just something that is easily shared all over the world, that easily collects millions and millions of signatures on a petition because it is very emotional and directly understandable for us because we can relate to it. Now, it's much harder to say, hey, hang on, what's going to happen to this area if this whole community is not allowed to do this trophy hunting anymore? You know, someone might sit in America and they see, oh, the petition went through, fantastic. I'm going to, you know, sign the next time again. I'll support another cause because that's how it feels like to us. But I think the truth is we're not supporting anything. We're simply against something. We say we don't think this is right without much thought because emotionally we can agree with that very easily without thinking about the subject. Now, that's just a very simple way of getting rid of this problem in our own minds, but we do not think about actually what's going on with those animals. We never really think it through. And if we would, we would find that, no, being against this and banning it is not at all a solution. It's just something that makes the problem even bigger for the people that actually work in nature conservation in Africa and that are trying to protect this. So instead of saying we are against trophy hunting, we need to say, Hey, what can we find that we can support, that we can be for? And I believe that that is the most crucial thing in our society today. And I, I don't think nature conservation is actually the only subject where this is the case. It, we won't get far by simply saying, I'm against this. We have to find an alternative and then put all our effort into saying, that is what we're going to do with our life. And even if we have a completely different job, but say, whatever effort we put into you know, signing petitions or whatever it is, find something that we can say we are supporting an action, not we are supporting somebody who wants to ban something. Because I don't think the banning is the right choice. And all we need is alternatives. Now, I've spent the last, you know, most of my adult life trying to find a way to do conservation work in Africa. Now, we are doing our bit, and I hope we can still get far. I'm young enough, and that's what I'm doing. And in the meantime, I know that there's areas around us where trophy hunting is happening. I know that there's other places, you know, in the north of Botswana where now elephants are being hunted again and things like that. And do I agree with that? No, not at all. And I will always speak my mind, discuss with the people when I meet them, and tell them clearly how I feel and how I think. But... I'm not running around making a big story out of saying, let's ban this, let's stop this, stop the elephant. Because in all honesty, I don't have the alternatives. The choice for this elephant story at the moment was actually the communities here in Africa. Now, that, you know, to address that is a much, much bigger problem than anything else. And it's not easy to do, and it definitely won't make any difference in their minds 
if people sign a petition somewhere in America to petition the Botswana government to change something back. And here in my little world and down in the Kalahari, I'm trying to work with the communities as much as possible. I wish I had a lot more funds available so that I could actually, say, have a vehicle and a small team of people here, our own staff, who have changed completely. And that's where I can make my difference. I can say, hey, I found something that I can be for. And I want to go into these communities. And that same thing that I mentioned earlier, that, that you know, blank face when I explain to people, I am here to actually save a lion. I have a lion here that I'm, I'm doing everything for her just to be alive. While these people are just thinking, you know, white men from Germany are basically here in the area to go and kill a lion. So it's so important to just bring that message across. And I can do that here in my small community. I, there's no way I can do it all over Botswana. But maybe in the future, just for the small villages around us, we can make a difference. And not for the whole village. There will be people that will never understand why we're trying to help wildlife or keep it around. But we can change a lot and we should have campaigns going out, talking with these people. We should try to employ as many people as possible here with our own project because our ethical values are taught to our staff. And not only will they have to you know, try to understand them, but they simply have to learn to abide by them too and, and act in a certain way around our animals because now they are working here and that's simply part of their job. And the thing that happened with the three guys that we have working at the moment is already amazing and the way they absolutely love animals. They even enjoy when the wild lions are around at the moment and even when they're walking around their camp at night, which was something that they were so terrified of before. And in the few years that we had with these few guys now, I can see a difference that is unbelievable. They even see a difference in the hunting and they have been participating in, say, the more trophy sport hunting type of thing before, especially in this area with people who simply don't care, who just come into ecosystems and kill and kill. And that's something that they've all been a part of and they've all witnessed that. And if they go hunting now, they simply say, man, hunting is really a different thing. Now we're caring and it's done in a way that the animals don't even know that we've, we've shot at them. It's done, you know, in the most ethical and caring way possible. And I make them be quiet when we're out on a hunt and not scream and have fun and enjoy and have a party. And that's just so nice to see that this is something that people very, very quickly accept and they say immediately that this is so much nicer than what happened before. And that's why I believe strongly we have to try to work with African communities to protect their wildlife, to love their wildlife. And I believe very strongly that the only good argument that is really something to bring to the table against trophy hunting is this one argument to say, our communities in Africa are not getting the right message with this kind of activity, no matter how you want to carry it out. To see those people that they look up to, that they you know, admire because of the wealth and the luxurious life that they, that they live, and then they come here to pose next to their dead animals and, and take, these, take the heads home to, to hang the house full of it, that is simply not something that will ever be a good impact on a community or teach them in any way to protect their wild animals or respect them. So that is the main argument for me to say trophy hunting has to be eradicated, but we have to be very careful and say it should not, we should just find alternatives. There is no way that banning it is going to benefit a single wild animal. And that is also important to understand. So the issue is much bigger. The ethics are clear, and I hope that most of the listeners of the podcast agree with them. Now, we simply need to make sure that our own ethical values are not being put above the well-being of our wild animals. And we need to first focus about that, even if 
we might not feel great about it. Like to say, hey, the trophy hunting has a place at the moment and there's no way banning it is a good thing. For me, that's a hard thing to say. When I was growing up in Germany, I never thought I'd be able to ever bring a sentence out like that. And I definitely wouldn't think that I would believe that that sentence makes sense. I know today that the sentence makes sense. And I hope that people can trust me with that simply because I live and work in this ecosystem for a very long time. At the same time, nothing has changed since I was growing up in Germany until today with my own emotions and the way I feel about this kind of stuff. So I'm still as disgusted as always, actually more than ever because I live so much closer to it and I get to not just see a picture on Facebook, I actually get to meet people who are here doing this kind of stuff. I see the images of them and I've gotten even more close and more disgusted with the whole thing than ever before. But I also understand that the moment there is a lot of wild animals and areas where that is the case but there's a reason that I'm not working there there's a reason that the area that we manage does not have that kind of activities and simply because I believe it can be done differently even though I might not make as much money and again the argument for our communities here in our areas that is my biggest point and I believe that even most trophy hunters you know, would have to think twice before they find a good answer to that one because most of the other arguments they can argue and a way to justify for themselves why all the things against them are bullshit because they're saying, no, we are doing conservation work. We are bringing so much money there and, and, and. So I think if we want to change those people's minds, and I believe that's actually what, what we are looking for in our society because that's the problem we have. We're saying, hey, this is just not right. How, how can they do this? How can they pose with that animal? And so we need to find arguments against that ethical side of it, not to say I just ban it. It's not going to change how they think. It's just going to make those people more angry, less agreeable on anything. So, But to say to them, say, look, how, how do you think? Is this a good message to a community? Because there might be a few very ethical hunters coming to Africa and I have no doubt about that. And that really do it ethically, that are even you know brilliant with our communities and teach them proper values. But I've seen enough of the industry overall. And as long as you're posing with this dead animal and taking those photographs and doing this whole thing, there is no way that you can convince me that this is a good thing to, to teach any community here in Africa that otherwise has no connection to our sort of society much at all. And that is my biggest point and there is no way that that can be argued against so there is a reason why trophy hunting is not okay but also let's find alternatives let's simply find things that we can say we're supporting this whatever cause it is a good thing that is happening somewhere a good thing that we can ethically support but make sure that our wildlife comes first that is the main thing does our wildlife benefit is it and not just or quickly does it make sense for us yeah of course we ban trophy hunting animals will be left alone that's not the case unfortunately it's rather the opposite so let's make sure we educate ourselves enough and then say hey now at the same time find something where we are doing a good thing for our environment and for our wildlife and at the same time we are ethically able to you know, respond to this in a good way and say, I feel good about doing that. Now, that's two things that are important for one for us and for our society that we live in. And the other one, and to me, that's the main important one, is that our wildlife benefits. I'm trying to do my small thing here with our project, with my podcast and things like that. And I can only encourage everybody to find something that they can support and be for and actually create rather than just saying, let's be against this. I do believe the whole we're all against this is born out of the right mind and the right emotional 
setting, but we simply have to be careful that the decisions we make based on that are not actually harming our wildlife and our wild areas in Africa. So, yeah, I hope this made sense in some way. And I can only say this was actually not an easy one to do for me. I, I don't like even talking about the whole subject. And finally, all I can say is, I mean, if I look at a wild animal standing here, I'm actually sitting at our... Uh, guest camp which is going to be built it's still a construction site but it's been the only quiet place i could find at the moment because nobody's working here right now and i'm looking at a big pan with a water point in front of us and there's a few hemsbok that have been walking through and some springboks while i'm speaking and our horses are actually standing in the background grazing so peacefully and calmly you know and just the idea of that i will have to still go hunt again soon that we will have to manage our population a certain way and that you have to pull a trigger on these animals. It is just so disgusting to me and I totally understand why we just want to ban it and why I, I could never understand a person who enjoys it and who just wants to come and say, oh, this is all I'm coming to Africa for. And I believe that in our world we have so many more people who are not the ones that enjoy hunting. And we need to just make that clear to the people that are running these areas today and say, look, the ones that come to you might be super wealthy and they might support you greatly because of the hunting. But overall, if you focus on a bit of the other side of it, you can reach so many more people and for your business, that might not be a bad thing at the end. So there are ways to try and address this without saying we have to ban everything. It might take a bit more time. It might take a little bit more emotional strain on us, but it's possible. And I hope that we can all find a way to do our part and I hope that my podcast helps a few people to understand more about how to actually support conservation work because if we don't get support anywhere, not just here in our little area, anywhere in the world, nature conservation needs people to participate in it and we just have to make sure we do it in the right way because I believe the will to do it and the emotional connection to it already exists in our society in so many places. At the moment, we just haven't really found the best way to address that and really help our animals, but we can. Since this podcast was a little bit of a hard one to do, I think the next time I'm going to talk about something that's got to do with our wild animals and the bush again, but is actually rather than my least favorite activity, my absolute favorite activity, and that's tracking. Tracking is something that is really like reading the Kalahari, reading the sand, going on a walk, being part of this bush without a gun, without, you know, without all that stuff, not having to hunt anything, just having to read what's going on. And it's an absolutely amazing activity and we'll try and explain all of that and take you on a little tracking journey in the next episode. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Kalahari Diaries. Did you enjoy the podcast? fantastic you can help me tremendously by subscribing and rating it on your podcast app leave a review and tell friends and family about it if you feel like it if you want to know more about this story go ahead and check out the website on sergeylioness.com or follow me on social media you'll find me on instagram and facebook at valgrüner that is at v-a-l-g-r-u-e-n-e-r and at modisa wildlife project where i'm sharing photos and videos from the kalahari on a regular basis I'm Val, and you've been listening to the Kalahari Diaries.